Hello and welcome to Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Shani, and with me as always is my beautiful co-host, Bridget. How you doing? Hi, Shani. I'm so good. How are you? I'm super good because today we have a huge interview that I am salivating over. Loretta Chase. This interview is a goddamn delight, Shani. She is so fun, so charming, so open and candid. I love her so much. Perfect way to wrap up our summer historical seasons in uh, October. <laughs> you, you're you not wrong. This really was like the greatest, especially since I've been wanting to interview her since last year when we read Lord of Scoundrels. Like, that's like the book that everyone recommended to us and it's one of my favorite books of all time. Like, I never forget the title and that's how mm-hmm. I know it's like my favorite. I, I'm on cloud nine right now. <laughs> so true. Well, it took a Mr. Impossible to make it happen. So, like, we loved her so much from the jump that we just got that shit popping with Auntie Loretta. So I just want you to know. Here we go. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. The, you know, first of all, we have read two of your books on our podcast, which has been so fun because Shawnee is like a deep historical lover. I mean, like, you know, one of those people who's read like all the books, all the historicals, all the authors. And I was a newbie coming in. So I always like came from like more of like suspense, paranormal, you know, romance background. So she yeah. introduced me to the historicals and she was like, well, we have to do Loretta Chase, obviously in our first season. And I was like, cool, I don't know who that is, but let's do it. <laughs> um, and I was delighted to find that historicals, for me, fulfill the same function that paranormals do, where I'm allowed to suspend my disbelief about the world. Did yes. you always write in historicals? Did you always feel like that gave you a little bit of license to tell the exact story you wanted to tell without having to worry about like contemporary conventions? Absolutely. And, but it was also partly out of just, I love history and I always, and I loved English history so it was, I, I, it was like the best of all possible worlds as far as a job was concerned. I mean, oh, wow. I, you know, I was an English major. I loved reading. I loved English history. Oh, I get to write in that era and that place. Yeah. Yeah. And so, if I go to England, I can deduct it as a business experience. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm all about deducting shows. Shawnee's always making fun of me because I'm like, or we could go there, but if we go to one conference, Shawnee, I can deduct this whole trip to this Berlin. Trip. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Let's make it happen. So, I feel like yeah. um I feel like you are like my auntie, right? Because you've been a part of my life since my teenage years. And thank you so <laughs> much for calling me your auntie. It's thank amazing. You. Like, I just, I adore you. I'm, I'm on cloud nine right now. Um, oh, I'm very curious as to like, what. so when you started um, writing historicals, like mm-hmm. what was like the catalyst, like the one thing that was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is why I'm going to do it. Like, um, I was, well, I was trying to learn about romances and understand how they were written and understand the market. And I, I think the the real trigger was coming upon a few Regency romances where there was this wonderful uh, repartee. And it reminded me of the plays I had read, I had studied in college. And I thought, oh, wow. I, I mean, I get to do that kind of like conversation that no one talks that way anymore, but I can do it in a book. So that was, I think, I think that was a, a major trigger. Um, the, it, it all kind of it all kind of came together because all the things that I had liked when I was studying literature were the elements of uh, historical romances and Regency romances, and it, it, I, I knew I was going to fit this when I started picking <laughs> them. Like this is me because I tried other things, and, yeah. but this was the one that was me. That's awesome. When you, I feel like when you, like your whole life as a person, you're always like, what am I supposed to do on the planet? Like what, why, what's my purpose? What, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, and my, my little cousin, she always asks me this. She's like, I don't know what to do. And she's like 27. Um, and I'm always like, there's a day where all the things that you have cumulatively, cumulatively had interest in come mm-hmm. together. And then it's like a no brainer. You're like, Oh, that's exactly what I should be doing. 
how did it take me 10 years to <laughs> You're so right. You're but, so right. But like you would never have gotten there if you hadn't just had all these interests and explored all these like random, you know, things. So that's right. why I, I always tell her, I was like, don't try to figure out what you want to do. Just explore the most random things you can find on the planet and you will, and it will come to you. <laughs> it definitely happened to me that way. I did so many different things and I thought I was going to be a visual artist and I had a regular job at a university and I loved being in the academic environment. But then I started writing romances and it's like, this is my world. Also, meeting the other writers, you find your tribe. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yes. So one thing I think would be lovely for you to talk about is I know you took a break from writing and you're talking about your tribe and I and Shawnee as like creative people, like, I know we all struggle with that idea of like, oh, if I stop creating for a little bit, like maybe it'll all go away or maybe I won't be like allowed sort of quote unquote back into the room, um, especially in like a traditional publishing sense. Um, what would you say to someone who's like maybe feeling a little burned out or maybe feeling like you know, like it's been a real rough couple of years for the world. Um, yes. or maybe someone had a personal loss in their life or, or something's going on. What would be your advice for like giving yourself that time and that break? Um, I think you have to give yourself that time and that break. Um, when I stopped that time and that was for four or five years before I really even attempted to write another book, I thought it was possible my career was at an end. But you have to take care of yourself. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't write anyway. So take the time. Um, And that's something I've had to teach myself to do recently because it's been taking me so long to write the last couple of books. And in this business, as you no doubt know, we're expected to produce, produce, produce. And if you're not writing at least one book a year, you're terrified of falling behind. I simply had to accept the fact that I can't write that way anymore. It looks to me as though every, the books, at least now, unless something changes, they're just, they're demanding more time for me. It's harder for me to write. And it may be what's happened in the last few years. I know it's affected all of us. So, yeah, I think you have to take the time and you just, it's a risk anyway. This job is a risk. A lot of jobs are a risk. Um, But if you're not mentally and physically in a condition to do the work, you're just punishing yourself by trying to do it. So, yeah, absolutely. I would tell people take the time. I think that's like some of the greatest like advice. Uh, cause I, I remember a few years ago, so Bridget and I both do YouTube content creation, video creation, that sort of thing. Um, and I remember I was pumping stuff out every month. I was shooting every single month, um, finding myself like leaving the room for a minute, going to the bathroom, trying to just take a break and then go back in and pretend like everything was all right. Um, until my body just like shut down. Like my body was like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Um, so I always feel like if you don't take a break, your body will force you to take a break. The universe will force you if you don't do it for yourself. Um, yes. And then I very much just realized that, that there, it was diminishing returns on the quality of content that I was creating. So like, I can't, I, I can't give you from an empty well. And that's what I was trying to do. And I was trying to find inspiration in rocks. Like it was, <laughs> it was definitely a rough yeah. uh, you know, learning thing. And, and then also just deciding and realizing like we all mature in our own time, you know? And so my peers, I look around at my peers and I'm like, Oh, they seem to be doing all sorts of great things there. And and they're buying houses and they're, you know, they seem financially stable and they're this and that, you know, and you're comparing yourself. And I think that was one of the biggest downfalls and things I had to realize was like, no, we all blossom at totally different moments, you know? Yeah. It can get very damaging to compare with other people, especially with social media, because you're you're not getting the whole story. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, I I put on my makeup today for you guys. Yeah, and you look look good. You do look good. (laughs) But yeah, but I don't look 
I don't look like that every day necessarily. I get up, I, I want to get to work and uh, yeah. do I need makeup to, for my characters? No, they don't care what I look like. So. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely like in general, I don't wear, I'm not wearing makeup today and I don't wear makeup very often, but um, definitely after the pandemic, I'm like, but do I ever need to wear it again? <laughs> well, I guess occasionally for a wedding, it's fun to get like dressed yeah. up, but in my day-to-day yeah. life, I just don't think I need makeup. It just seems like a lot more effort. Well, you don't. And plus you're young. So, <laughs> you know, I feel like the pandemic, uh, you know, as, as like hard as it was for people, it did a few good things for, uh, for people, which is one, a lot of people got on TikTok and started creating on TikTok. And because uh-huh. we were going through a pandemic, nobody expected you to be camera ready. So right. everybody on TikTok is rolling out of bed with their hair and slippers. <laughs> and they're like, guess what I, I learned today, you know? And they got crusties in their eyes. And it's kind of lowered the standard for what you need to do in video production. (laughs) (laughs) That barrier to entry, you know, like a lot of times, like I come from a diva household. So a lot of times before I would film myself, I'm like, Oh, I got to put my face on. Like I can't film myself without my face on. And Bridget said to me a lot of times, Shani, just, just do it. I said, nobody cares about that. I said, I said, you got to just take a picture with me right now. She's like, I didn't wear makeup today. I'm like, our 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 friends and fans do not give a flying fuck okay. if you're wearing makeup. They just want to see you smile and they <laughs> say don't. hi. And they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. Yeah. And you yeah. and you've ever looked at a picture of yourself when you were 20 and you're like, God damn, I was fine. I was fine. <laughs> and, but you but you remember when you were 20, you were like, oh man, I don't look that hot. Like I don't, I'm the, you know. So I yeah. looked at a picture of myself when I was 20, and I was like, God damn, look at how smoking sh- you are a smoke show. And I just decided to just say that to myself now. Like, you're gonna look back at this picture of yourself now and be like, you exactly. were a smoke show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so true. So. <laughs> uh. So speaking of social media, like we, we were, you know, stalking you before this on Instagram and stuff. Um, I'd love to talk about how you support new and upcoming authors, because I think it's really awesome that you're like spotlighting them all the time. And I'd love to know, like kind of the journey in how that started and, and why you choose to, to make that a big part of your, your social. Um, I'm not even sure how I'm doing that. I, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm not doing that enough. Um, so what I started doing on Instagram, people have always asked me what, who are your favorite authors? Mm-hmm. And I'm very leery of making lists like that because you leave someone out um, and then later you feel bad about it or whatever. And so I, what I just started doing was posting what I've been reading. Mm-hmm. I'll post pictures of the books that I've been reading. So just pe- so maybe someone hasn't, read that author and that introduces them but I don't I'm not sure I think other authors do a much better job of supporting up-and-coming authors than I do I'm not even aware of them until like those other authors let me know so (laughs) hey but that's the title effect someone has to start it doesn't mean you have to be the starter but like I think it's great that you do that because um you know especially knowing like you have to do a lot of self-promoting to be a someone who makes their own work so also great as as someone who coaches like people on like social media and sometimes what and what to do what to post you know and you are a beautiful woman of a certain age 29 and (laughs) you are killing the social media game just fyi (laughs) just just if you think you're not doing enough trust me like you're doing you're fine oh no (laughs) you're fine No, you're not serious you're not serious trust me i've seen everything i've seen it all trust me you are you are doing great and the funniest part bridget and i were talking earlier um because we've been posting on tiktok and she's like how do you do this i'm like i don't know i don't know how to do that (laughs) do you know how to do that i don't know how to do that do you stitch it or do we do it what like you know, <laughs> yeah, they click the wrong button every time. It's so embarrassing. I'm like, they're oh. having a hard time, you know, with that. So trust me when I say you're you're killing it. <laughs> oh well, thank you. <laughs> um, do you feel particularly like a responsibility to uh, the new artists coming? Uh, uh, artists, I'm an artist. Sorry, the new authors who are coming into the space. Um, on a level, yes. Um see how I can well when I was starting 
there were authors who were already established who helped me along and talked me up to other people. So to the extent that I can do that, I do that. But really, I don't feel as though I do it enough. I mean, I'm so obsessed with my research and making sure I get enough pictures up on Instagram for my, I mean, up on, for my uh, my assistant to get up on Instagram. Um, I'm not sure I'm doing enough to promote up and coming authors, except that I try, I read their books. I try to read their books. And then if I remember, I get, I get the cover and then I post it so that someone will know, okay, I, you know, I, I read this author and I read that author. Yeah. Um, what do you, are you reading anything interesting right now? Let's see. Who am I, what am I reading right now? Oh, um, yes. I read a variety. I, I like to read um, murder mysteries for, uh, or detective fiction for fun. And I'm, I've always liked um, Alexandra McCall Smith's um, first ladies detective club series. So I'm reading one of those right now. Nice. Um, but also it's like in between like reading biographies. I just read this biography that came out like 20 years ago, <laughs> but it provided me this incredible inspiration for the book I'm writing now. So it just, it was serendipity, but it worked out great. Nice. It's a Friday. Um, the latest, the last book by a, you know, a, con- a contemporary author, I think it was Alicia Rice. Uh, the right swipe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do you do you feel like um, that sort of kismet happens a lot where you're reading something and you're like, oh, that fits perfectly with my character? Like, where do you find, like, build your characters from? Like, movies, real life people, books, TV, sort of a A lot of it comes from, uh, comes from the research. I have the access to uh, a couple of publications from the time period where I'm writing and I'm finding, like, so much inspiration for this. Mm-hmm. Just all kinds of unexpected things. For instance, I didn't know how many people were getting thrown from their horses in Hyde Park, like on a <laughs> daily basis. But apparently this was happening all the time. <laughs> reading about it in the paper, only they just, they mentioned the most, um, Im- you know, important people, like the, the, someone with a title or whatever. Yeah. But I'm like, wait a minute. It's like, this guy got thrown from his horse. And then this guy got thrown from his horse. And like, can't anyone ride? You think that they could, (laughs) but then I found out from my horse consultant, well, horses are very unpredictable creatures and you really have to be paying attention all the time because they can like, just take fright because of a piece of fence upsets Mm -hmm. them and you just don't know what's going to happen. So those kinds of things are inspirations. So when one of my characters gets thrown from a horse and the, like, why did that happen? I'm like, well, it did happen because then mm-hmm. I can give you the date and who it happened to. Yeah. I, That's I, so I have funny. This, I have this image in my mind, right? Because like, I feel like in every historical, they, at some point they go to Hyde Park and they're strolling mm-hmm. on their horses. And, um, and I just imagine that there's all these guys who are puff chested, you know, they go to Hyde Park, but they're not paying attention <laughs> to their horse at all. There's somebody specifically <laughs> that they need to ride by with their chest out, whatever. And they yes. get thrown <laughs> all the way through. Oh, funny. Kind of yeah. their crush. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was like it's, you, you start realizing how crazy it was because there's like stray dogs running all over the place and there are kids running back and forth. And it's like sort of pandemonium um, in London at any rate. And so it gives a, it's a lot of opportunities, but it's it's actually coming from real life, from what's reported in the newspapers and magazines. That's the best inspiration for me. Awesome. Do you have a favorite part of the book to write? Like, is it the first kiss, the meet cute, the, you know? The angsty I like middle section. <laughs> I like the I like the meet cute. That's that's always fun. But I also like the uh, I like doing the conflicts, and I love doing the the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Those Hi. are the easiest and most fun for me to write. But it really depends on the book. I mean, you just never know what what parts of it are going to be a treat. Uh, when I was writing Mister Impossible, I loved doing. The research it was just so fascinating and i i think i bought like 40 books <laughs> at the time there wasn't that much internet access um and uh it just it's it, it's like each book is different 
But I'm really, I'm such a nerd. I'm a history nerd. So that's where a lot of the inspiration comes from. I think that um, one of my favorite things about your books is that you write killer, killer dialogue. Like the repartee between the characters is like always spot on for me. And not only that, you write really smart heroines. And like, when I say it's like a breath of fresh air sometimes to my brain, where I'm just like, oh, it's like I tell Brink, uh, Bridget when I was telling her about you, I was like, Loretta Chase is like a warm blanket. Like, mm-hmm. you know that when you pick up a Loretta Chase book, that it's just going to be so nice. You're going to snuggle, you're going to read, and you're going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and the older I'm getting, I'm finding that I want smarter books. Like, the things that were that got me going at 20 that I thought were like whatever are like I picked that up and I'm like oh no like <laughs> you know like I so I really really enjoy that you do that like you nail that mm-hmm. oh thank you that's the fun part of the writing for me is those is the dialogue and I'm not even sure where that came from but it, I guess you just find your strengths and I've always tried to work with the strength do you mm-hmm. kind of put yourself in the like in the eyes of your character when you're writing that, like in the body, I feel like you yes. have to. Like I feel What's like. Go- and, and my husband helped me a lot with this because I don't know how men think because they think crazy. It's like, or do they think? I'm not sure. But <laughs> he helps me a lot with men think, and he over the years I've learned to uh, to uh, change the way the man sees the world in my books. Whereas I think early on, it was more like a woman looking through a man's eyes. And I think now I'm closer to the, how the guy sees the world. And I think that's a good uh, method for developing the comedy mm-hmm. of the situation because oh, yeah. he and she see things so differently. Mm-hmm. Do you have I one found- character that you connect with the most? Mm-hmm. Or who you I mean, like, like who's your favorite? Yeah, you, no, I don't have a. Who would you? Know. Okay, well, who would you hang out with, right? If you, if they're like, you have to hang out with this character for like a week. You have, have them over to your house. Have them over to your house. They got to live in your house. You got to entertain them for a week. So are you talking hero or heroine? Either one. We don't, we don't want to pick your poison. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Well, see, I try to write them all so that I like them. You like them. <laughs> I can't write a hero I'm not in love with. Of course not. So, But then those heroes, you know, I'm not so sure in real life I'd want to be with them. Isn't that the funny thing about romance? It's like you read something on the page and you're like, oh my God, that's so romantic and so wonderful. And then you're like, oh my God, if someone did that to me in real life, though, I lose my mind. Yeah. (laughs) Like singing. Like it went, like if oh, someone tries to stare at me. Look in my eyes. Absolutely. Oh not. my God. I will. Hardest pass. Hardest pass. Like, you know how it's like the cliche is every girl wants to be with the guy who's like playing guitar on the fire. I was always like, oh, they would like look at me from across the fire and I'd be like, ew, no, ew, don't look at me while you're singing. Ew. I know. I don't want to be involved in that. Yeah. yeah. Also, also, like as a musician, um, it's always like the girls are in love with the guitar player. The guitar player is always the one that people will fall in love with. But for the naughtiest reasons, you want the bass player. The bass <laughs> player is the number one, <laughs> one musician. Strong, strong fingers. Strong fingers. Good the rhythm. strongest. Uh-huh. Good <laughs> the rhythm. rhythm and the strongest hands you'll ever encounter. <laughs> you heard it today here, folks. Shawnee is talking to a, an illustrious romance novelist, and she's talking about strumming a bass. Oh, yeah. Well, you should have talked to me when I was much younger because I went for the drummers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they have good rhythm, though. They have the rhythm. rhythm. Yeah. They, they, they have they have the rhythm. <laughs> also, I feel like drummers aren't drummers like hit like you know sort of categorically the bad boy of the group. Isn't that like the, yes. the bad boy? Right? Yeah. yeah. So like Animal and the Muppets. Yeah. So <laughs> honestly, like I know, love Animal. <laughs> first of all, Animal was like every every one of us that was our favorite. I feel like, um, <laughs> but every like person in the band has like a different kind of caricature that comes with them. So the drummer, yeah. because there's not enough drummers. 
they can go to any band they want at any time. And so they tend to be the flakier, the ones that don't show up on time, though, you know, that sort of thing. So that's kind of what you you do get animal when you date a drummer. But the bass player, nobody pays any attention to the bass player. Right. After a show, everybody runs to the drummer. Everybody runs to the guitar player. The bass player right. is the person who will marry you, you know, and be faithful <laughs> and chill and won't like, you know, he's, they're just solid dudes. You know, they're just solid. <laughs> yeah, because they have to be solid in the yes. band. Right? And, they, right? and people don't realize that the bass player carries that entire song. They, they carry the thing that you love about that song and you don't even know it. And that yeah. so so there's just something about the bass players all around. Uh, so now I heard it here. I told Lorena to chase the dirty, dirty artists. <laughs> the business, She's giving you the business. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad my husband's taking bass lessons. Oh, <laughs> hey, oh, she's ready. Do I sense a book? Do I? Do yes. I sense? <laughs> yes. She's about uh, to do it, can be, it can be an upright bass. It doesn't have to be a. That's you know, a <laughs> She's doing her research, and that's what's important. <laughs> Uh, speaking of research when you're writing your series do you are you like someone who plots out a whole series or are you kind of like evolving through the group as you go from yeah i wish i were organized enough to plot through the whole series but it's really it's turned into more seat of my pants kind of thing i have a general (laughs) idea but it's really vague which is which is probably why it's made it so difficult the last two books um you know, I, I know where I'm going. I know I know what the situation is, but to work out the plot, oof, that's mm-hmm. that's the tough one. So not so. I used to be better with it. I used to write more detailed outlines, and uh, it did make my life easier. But then it, I got to a point where I, I I try to write the outline, and, and I'm just drawing a blank. And so I just okay, write, yeah. and eventually you'll figure out where you're going. I think that's awesome though, like evolving your style. Cause like what worked for me, like Shawnee's talking about in your twenties, I mean, sexually still, you know, what I'm reading is maybe not working, but also just the way I am creative is completely different than 10 years ago. Like I have two yeah. small children now. Like I have to be able to focus more and like you have 30 minutes while someone's napping and they're both not near you. Like how much shit can you get done versus before where it's like, Oh, I can think about this for 12 hours today and like flit in and out yes. of it. It's like, you gotta like I think it's great to evolve the way you do things. Yeah, I think I think you most of us do. Um and also I guess I would be bored if I kept doing things the same way. If I had a system and I just stuck to it year after year, I, I would just get bored. It wouldn't be very stimulating. This is scary, but it's working so far. <laughs> do you find that like <clears throat> so I again love to research any and everything, right? I have that really solid ADHD that sends me down rabbit holes and super rabbit holes. And sometimes I'm way more interested in the research of something than the actual thing that I was planning to do with said research. Do you ever ever find that happens where you're like, this is so fascinating. I'm not going to write this book. (laughs) I know all the time it happens. I have to restrain myself because I keep finding these fascinating things and going down the rabbit hole and they have to get focused again on the, on writing the book. And I think maybe Loretta, you should have been a historian and not a <laughs> novelist, but no, then I would be, I like making up the story and I like the love story and I love bringing the, bringing the hero and heroine together. Mm-hmm. But I do love the research. I mean, this is what's behind me is just a tiny sample of what's in my house mm-hmm. my husband always kept saying the house was going to cave in because the books <laughs> for That's context it. you guys she has like four full bookshelves floor to ceiling completely full of books <laughs> yeah um my I have like I just moved from LA to Chicago so I gave away all of my books and so my tiny little bookshelf behind me is like all the books that I have because uh, I did like giveaways for our followers and just like gave them for friends and stuff but my husband's constantly like, oh, hey, there's this thing I want to do this weekend. You want to go to the bookstore and I'll buy you some books so that you like go read some books away from me and I can just do my own thing. And I'm like, um, let me think. Yes, I do. Let's go. How much time? Uh, why don't you go like get a coffee and I'll just browse for like two and a half hours and buy 10 books and then I'll just be yes. happy all weekend. Oh, yeah. Happy bookstore. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like. 
I feel like, you know, like, I feel like about this, about Target and bookstores, I walk in and immediately I feel like my blood pressure goes down and my heart rate slows. And I just have this nice little smile on my face. And I'm like, I know I'm going to have a good time. It doesn't matter what I see or what I touch or what I smell. Uh, <laughs> I just know something in here is for me. Something in here will make, will make the day. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny? It's like when I was a teenager, I was like a really good kid, right? But in in my household, because it was so strict, really good wasn't good enough, you know? Um, and so my mom used to always think that I was like sneaking out or doing like like crazy <laughs> stuff. And literally what I would do is my best friend and I would go to Barnes and Nobles, put a blanket on the floor and we would just get romance novels and we would trade them back and forth. And we would also play this game of like, who's that celebrity? So, you know, like sometimes you see the, the, like the shirtless guy or, or the girl on the cover and she, it looks like somebody, right. you know, like Julia, like, um, like, uh, I can't remember her name from pretty woman or something. Julia and so he, he, Julie Roberts. So you would take the cover and you flash it for three seconds and you'd be like, who's the celebrity? Go. <laughs> I look back now and I'm like, Fabio was a real big part of my life too. <laughs> Which I think is just hilarious. But yeah. those are like the best memories, you know, from being a kid. Though the only thing I will say, and I, we try to stress on the podcast, is like, don't learn about sex from romance novels. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's where I learned. Um, and it, uh, because again, in my house, we, we don't talk about those things, right? So in my mind, we're all having mutual orgasms. Like we, <laughs> the, guy, the guy's supposed to take care of it all. Um, <laughs> so I was disappointed. <laughs> That's why we have romances, you see. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things we talk about a lot in the podcast is like, like there are certain authors like like yourself like where the the sex is like very sexy but also like realistic and then there are some where you're like yeah that's not a thing you should look towards like some of that was borderline bananas behavior or like oh you should if a partner says that to you in bed that should be a red flag like oh if that happens so one of the things I, I we always joke about is like we wish that people read romance novels in school but like, like ones that are chosen for being like really good represent, either really good or really bad representation so that they can discuss them and be like, Hey, like this is gaslighting. Hey, this is like bad behavior yeah. or like, Hey, this is a really supportive partner. Hey, do you see how they communicated and that resolved their issue? Because, right. you know, one of the things I like, <laughs> I have liked about, I've only read two of your books, full disclosure, because yeah. I've only read like 12 romance novels or historicals total. But um, one of the things I like is that all of the sort of conflict in the books couldn't be resolved with one simple conversation. That for me is like the most annoying thing is I'm like, there's no real conflict in this book aside from that. There's a misunderstanding. Like I yeah, find that the big misunderstanding. Yeah. Like I enjoy it more when it's like, okay, we have to evolve together. Or we have to like, there's outside forces or something's going on. Um, do you find that you like when you're writing either like sex scenes or just in general, figuring out a way to have some sort of more intense conflict than just like, oh, hey, I thought you lied to me and you didn't. And I didn't ask you, did you lie to me? And now I've been mad for 10 years. That's That was a really important issue for me. Um, and, it, and a couple of people I think have mentioned it about my stories. I, I always hated the big misunderstanding. Yeah. And so if there is a misunderstanding, I try to get it resolved pretty quickly. I mean, it was it was something I tried to do in Lord of Scoundrels because that was the kind of thing where it could have gone on and on forever. But I remember my editor saying about one of my books when the hero and the heroine have this argument and he walks out. My editor said, I thought he it was going to be like, oh, they're going to be separated and they're going to have to come back together because, you know, they haven't communicated. She said, but then he walked right back in <laughs> to get it straightened out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, that's important to me. Part of the thing I want to do, I mean, I know on some level that some of the heroes are guys that if you met them in real life, probably would not be a good idea to get involved with them. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a romance. So I try to make them yeah. more lovable. Yeah. 
Um, but that you try to, I try to make people behave the way we would like them to behave in real life. So you guess you have some conflict, but I want the resolution to come in the, a way that would be pleasing to me, or mm-hmm. I felt feel like I can, the, the characters are going to grow or I'm going to grow. Um, so like big misunderstanding is never, I mean, that was one of my pet peeves and I resolved. There are a couple of things I resolved when I first started writing romances. One, the women were always going to be strong. And two, no big misunderstandings. We, so we there's some other ones. <laughs> we, we appreciate that. The other yeah. one for, for me that like, so Bridget and I have talked about writing romance. And the other, other one for me that I have resolved that I don't ever want to write is sexual assault. So like, I like, that's the one thing in a book that I'm just like, oh, why? why? Like, why? That takes like, uh, that's not sexy. I'm not saying that's not, that's not my escapism. You yeah. know, especially if you've dealt with that. That's real. This is not the thing you want to read in your romance. You know what I mean? No. Um, and so for me, that's not uh, that's like a no go. Um, but even when, when a, a villain does it, even when a villain does it, I find it problematic yeah. to read. Yeah, it's it's just it's rough for me always. And we do trigger warnings at the top of our podcast whenever we're dealing with the book. But we find that there was a certain point we were doing trigger warnings every every day, um, mm-hmm. like at our on our podcast. And I was like, this is. Yeah. Yeah, this is a lot. Um, but a funny thing is that the Mr. Impossible, the character from Mr. Impossible, he reminded me a lot of my dad, right? So like, um, when you say like some of these people you wouldn't date in real life, but so Mr. Impossible, he was charming. He was super charming, but a little bit problematic, but super charming. Right? <laughs> so, people, so people love them, right? You love them and you can't help but love them. But sometimes you're like, like what? <laughs> and I feel like that's a nice balance of like, not everybody is the perfect person that you want them to be. We're all human, you know, as long as you're a net positive of good, you know, like if you, <laughs> that's really what matters. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those, I love him as a hero. I loved writing Rupert, but I'm not sure I want to hang out with Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome. I love love that his heart's in the right place. And I also love that he's not intimidated by the heroine at all, by her intelligence. He thinks it's cool. And that was something that I really liked about him. (laughs) When you're like researching different, you know, time periods and countries and stuff, how do you like write diversity into your books and sort of keep that in the forefront that the, the world was not all just, you know, Lily White Dukes and stuff. Well, you know what? I'm not sure I did that very well. Um, and it just was brought, came to my attention the last few years. And I, um, it's, it's something I've talked about is that, that um, I think I was just oblivious because all my research, uh, most of the books that I was depending on for material were written by, you know, white people and, or else they, even the books in, Obviously, the materials I'm having from the um, 19th century um, is very, um, they're, well, they're snobbish to begin with about <laughs> class, but it's like they, it, it's very racist. The material is very racist. And um, a whole segment of the population is left out. So I had like blinders on. And I think it's only been in the last few years that I started to realize that. So I started digging up material where I could find more. That said, I have tried to put, you know, I have set my stories in places where I use people from uh, different groups or different uh, nationalities. But I don't feel like I've done a great job with the diversity. I'm working on it. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like I feel like admitting it is like the first step in the process of being mm-hmm. like uh and I think a lot of people were oblivious uh mm-hmm. to it, right? So like, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm brown. Mm-hmm. Um and and every uh every book that I read, every romance that I read when I was a kid was very white, right? Um and it warped my sense of self in the process, right? Yeah. And and it took a lot of unprogramming for me to like not have things that in that included that I didn't even realize were were causing me self-hate in the process, whether it be like 
who I dated or who I thought was attractive or what I wanted to do, you know? Um, And so I, it it makes me really happy that now people are going like, whoa, I fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's start over. And, you know, uh, (laughs) even from like, I remember being a kid and they in class and they said, uh, you came over on the Mayflower. And I was like, no, the hell I did it. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? And you go home and your parents are like, no, you did not come over on the Mayflower. That is not your history. And so we get a whole different set of history at our, in our homes than you get at school. And it's a really interesting like dichotomy when you, when you talk to yeah. people. Um, because when you, in terms of trying to relate, um, I came from uh, an immigrant family. And so when I was in like a school environment, I felt like an outsider because everyone else was came from particular groups. So it did make me aware of, you know, being on the outside just because of your background, but not enough to realize how whitewashed all the history I was reading was or all the books were. So that's the part that I'm dealing with now. I feel like as a history buff, right? It gives you a yeah. whole new set of material to dive into though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also you start seeing things for the first time. I mean, I'm looking at um, like, well, for instance, satirical prints, but also paintings and realizing that there were people of color, you know, in so many of these scenes. And lo- how did it pass by me? Not paying attention. Mm-hmm. So educational experience, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Well, and now in your future books, you know, you can dive into those histories and we'll look forward to reading a lot of different, uh, different, different backgrounds. <laughs> Little brown babies like Shawnee. Um, <laughs> you don't know how excited when I, whenever my favorite author writes a brown character, this is literally me. I'm just like, oh my God, they're, oh my God, they're releasing. Oh my God. <laughs> I call Bridget immediately. Bridget. <laughs> it's true yeah um i uh, so a lot of a lot of uh the authors that we have talked to are in really long-term partnerships now i don't know whether this is just coincidence or whether it's because they write about feelings and communication and relationships all day and so then they bring that sort of those skills back into their partnerships um but i was reading and i thought that the your little story about how you were a corporate video script writer and then the video producer lured you into novels and became Mr. Chase. Um, I would love for you to tell me like a quick, if you're okay with it, romance story about how that all happened. It sounds super cute. Um, I was working with my, I was working with this producer. There were several producers I worked with from this one company and, um, my husband and I were the ones we just really hit it off and we would have these long business meetings uh, on the company's expense account uh, with lots of champagne and great food. And we would talk about the scripts, but then we would be talking about other things. So the dinner would go on for three or four hours and believe it or not, this went on for a couple of years before we finally got to the point where we were saying, are we in a relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Did we just become best it, friends? It just, <laughs> yeah. And so that, it, so it was a couple of years before we actually realized that that was what it was, that we were in a relationship. So yeah, I'm so I'm still with the same guy. <laughs> and <laughs> he's, cool. he's the, he's the one that um, persuaded me to take the, the leap, make the leap because I was doing really well writing video scripts. It pays really well, much better than writing novels. Believe me. I do that, uh, and I get paid so much better than I would if I wrote a novel. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, my husband says a, uh, it's it's a great get rich slow scheme <laughs> writing novels. Yeah, yeah. I feel like so that's I was, a, get rich really, slow. That's hilarious. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> get rich slow. So that I I was doing that. I was doing really well. And my husband one one night we were out to dinner. He said, "Well, what do you really want to do?" I started crying. <laughs> it was a hard question. Don't ask me that question. What do yeah. you want to do with your life? Ah, don't ask me that. And but then I realized that I had always wanted to write a novel. So it was a matter of finding my way in 
because just to say you're going to write a novel, well, that what is it? What's it about? You know, um, and that was why I started researching and researching uh, romance novels, and that was that eventually led me to it. But it was he asked the question. I might not ever have asked myself that question. I would have continued as I was. I had a full time job. I was moonlighting. I was making great money. Do you have like one thing you think is like the key of sort of a long partnership? Yeah. Patience. Uh, patience, forgiveness. I think it's, uh, you know, marriage, a long partnership. It's an investment um, in the other person, in yourself. Um, and it's not always easy. So you have to be ready to. It's like sometimes it's a hard job. Sometimes it's an easy job. It's mm-hmm. work yeah. sometimes. And sometimes it feels like, oh, this is so natural. This is, of course, you know, I love him dearly this way. As I, and other times it's like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he ever feels that way about me because I know he always loves me badly and never has a bad as thought he about should. me. As he should. <laughs> I feel like that's such a. Um, that's so important. I, re- I remember one relationship that I had where, um, like, I'm a creative. I There's nothing else I could do in life but be a creative, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I remember talking to my partner at the time and him being like, oh, you can't do that as, like, your real job. You have, like, you have to have a job job, right? And I, one day I came home and we were both laying in bed. Like, nothing was wrong. It was a standard night. I was reading a book. He was reading a book. And this like voice went through my head that just said, like, you will never be happy here. This is not where you, this is not where you need to be. Right. And that voice went through my head and I turned to him and I was like, we need to break up. And he was like, what? Like what? And I was like, no, we need to break up. I'm going to leave tomorrow. And I did. I just, I just wow. <laughs> I was like, because I, I just knew that I would, I would never be good enough. Like I would never, whatever job I did would never be, you know, that sort of thing, you know, and fast forward, like I have a partner now that is like, what do you want to do? That's cool. Let's go. Let's get behind it. Let's, you know, whatever that is. Um, and it's like, it's, it's like living life with your hands free and not, not tied behind your back. We're not, you know? Right. Um, And so I think, uh, and this is the first time I think in life that I've ever wanted to really do the work with my partner, be like, you know, like have those uncomfortable conversations where it's just awkward as shit. And you're just like, you know, it's like, oh, my ego, my ego. Oh God, I got to put that shit away. Yeah. So so I think that's really amazing advice. And I, and I love that uh, you guys, I love your love story that you guys are just having business meetings. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so much in common. And, um, but the other thing was, uh, I think you you just hit on something, which is having a partner who's supportive. Because some partners undermine you and you don't even realize it's happening. And others are like completely supportive. And to have someone who saw my creativity and my abilities and thought she can go farther with this and was encouraging me to take the risk, you know, and it was a financial risk and said, look, we're, we're, you know, we're doing okay. I'll help you out and do it. See how it goes. Mm-hmm. So you need, that is all the difference in the world. I mean, and that's, for instance, that's like Rupert with Daphne. He's mm-hmm. supporting her. Mm-hmm. She's got the brains. She's going to do that. Mm-hmm. She's going to figure out those hieroglyphs. And he thinks it's the coolest thing in the world and he wants to help her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's also modeling a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Is there, um, so we, we like to know, is there anything that whenever you're interviewed um, that you wish that people would ask you or that you really want to gush about that you don't get to gush about? I always want to gush about my historical research because I'm a nerdy <laughs> history girl. I just, that's, that's me. And I'm always leery of boring people to death. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll be at dinner. Yeah. And some topic comes out up and or corsets. Okay. So, mm-hmm. And someone's talking about, Oh, corsets. How could they breathe? No wonder they were always fainting. And then, then of course I have to go on my thing about corsets. No, 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 no. It's not like that. So it's that sort of thing. I, I have to correct their historical knowledge because they're wrong. I mean, 
Loretta, you got, I mean, you got to. Um, so there's, um, there's a thing with ADHD where it's called info dumping, right? So people with ADHD and my partner also has ADHD. We will sit in a topic for a long time and then we go to our partner or our friends and because we're so jazzed about it, we just info dump. We're like, this is the thing that I'm amazed at. <laughs> and other people are like, okay, you know, beavers yeah. are, are really cool, I guess, you know, like, you know, and you're just like, no, but you don't know how magical they are, you know? And so, so yeah, I told you're watching people, them fall asleep, people falling asleep while yes. you're talking. Yeah, yeah. So, so then I guess my last question to you is, in, in your historical research, what are you researching right now? Uh, well, a couple of things. I am researching bookstores in the 1830s, trying to get some images of the interiors. Like, are they like, they? what are they like? It's not going to look like Barnes and Noble, but what does it look like? And, um, you know, do they serve refreshments? And um, how many floors? And that sort of thing. Um, do you know how the books I, were organized? No. I do know. Oh, well, I can give you an idea because the, the, um, the, this came up in the um, Duke in Shining Armor. I found out that libraries were not organized the way they are now. There was no Dewey Decimal System. So they are often organize the books alphabetically. So um, everything next to everything. <laughs> but in other cases, they organized by size. Mm. oh wow really and I'm like, you guys you, you guys I love to organize my books by size <laughs> I like them to be the same height and then they go to the next height and then they uh -huh. go to the next height and I got my mass markets at the end you know like yeah. I like I like it's it's very hard for me when they're like in order but it's like tall book short book tall book short book I'm like huh <laughs> I'm like I, <laughs> I tried to make a compromise here because mine are all but I need to have them by topic yeah. Otherwise, I can't find anything, and and there's so many of them. But yeah, that's uh, that my was husband, uh, my husband told Jefferson. me told me I can have a book room in my new house. It's gonna be my it's gonna be my office, but he doesn't call it a library. He's like, you mean a book room? And I'm like, it's a library. And he's like, book room. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna fight you on it if you let me fill it with books. <laughs> I'm not gonna fight you on it. It can be a book room yeah. with a ladder. <laughs> It's gotta, it's gotta have a ladder. I, I, have a ladder. I lived in a ladder. house that had, um, the, there was an artist who owned the house before the people he passed away and his nephew took it. And the entire living room from a floor to ceiling was books and it had a ladder. And <sighs> I, I just go, would stand on the ladder like bell and throw my hands out, you know, like throw my hands in the air. That's the dream. <laughs> That's, the the dream. That's the dream. Oh That's man. Real. This has been amazing. This has been yes. such, such a delight. <laughs> Thank you. It's been so much fun. Well, we really appreciate you coming on to talk to us. You guys, if you haven't read Loretta's books, make sure you check out our interviews and go to LorettaChase.com or find her on Instagram. And until next time, dear friends, may your books be your lover. And your hand, your best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.